want to just minister to something to you today. We're going to come back later and do some more worshiping. But I feel like the Lord has kind of put all these pieces together today. And uh, I put this in your bulletin so you could follow along. If you would go with me to Isaiah chapter 53. This is a very, very prophetic passage of Scripture. I enjoy it so much that I want to read the entire chapter in case you're panicking. It's only 12 verses, but it's just so much stuff in there, even the stuff that I'm not covering today. This is just such a, just a, a, just a wonderful passage of Scripture. Verse number one, who has believed our report and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form of comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. We esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded... Praise God. He was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon Him and by His stripes we are healed. If you don't say amen to anything I say today, that's a good place to put amen right there. And we, like sheep, have gone astray and we have turned. Everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked. But with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied by his knowledge. My righteous servant shall justify many for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great and he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul unto death and he was numbered with the transgressors And he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. That portion of scripture has got about 75 things you could talk about today in so much great detail. But I want you to notice several things here because where you think I'm going, I'm probably not going today. So just stay with me. One thing I want you to notice what's interesting about that passage of scripture is that it's prophetic. But also, not only is it prophetic, but it's written in past tense. 
It wasn't written as what was to come. It was written as if it was already done. Which shows us that God is not trying to get you to victory, but He's trying. The victory's already been run in your life. All you've got to do is just step into it. It's already declared. He said, I declare the end from the beginning. We're waiting for God to do it, and God's already done it. He's just waiting for us to catch up. But that's not where we're going today. I put that in there because I love that passage of Scripture, but I want to look at... There are three kind of chapters here that I want to focus on just for a moment today. And that is Isaiah 53, which we just read. Isaiah 54, but then the beginning of Isaiah 55. Just to kind of backtrack here, some of you have heard me say this before, but I need to say it again for maybe you're our guest today. But when you read the Bible, you will notice that the Bible is divided up in what we call books. And those books are divided up into chapters, and those chapters are divided up into verses. If you open up a Bible, or you've got a Bible on your phone, you will notice that there are different ones. Chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, and then each one of the sentences, or some of the, half of a sentence, or a portion of a sentence, will have a number next to it. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. Those were not in the original Bible. When Isaiah, we're reading from Isaiah, when Isaiah was writing these things down, he did not mark it number one, number two, number three, number four, number five, chapter one, chapter two, chapter three. Just like if you were writing a letter today to a friend or you were writing a, a letter of, or just you're, maybe you're in school writing a paper, you would not label each sentence with a number. Why do I say all that? Because when you read the Bible with chapters, sometimes you just sort of remove them as separate thoughts instead of reading them as a conjoining thought. And I believe here that there are some portions of Isaiah 53, Isaiah 54, and the beginning of Isaiah 55 that gives us a congruent picture of what God was laying out here. God, let me me make this statement here for a moment, if I could. It's going to sound sort of cliche-ish to a degree, but let me explain it. God is an inviting God. What do I say by that? Well, there's two contexts in the English language. It's very confusing uh, because we use the same word but can have multiple meetings even though it's the same word. We use the word inviting. But there's two times of inviting. You can say, boy, this is an inviting spot to stand on. Or I can say, I'd like to invite Tino to come here. But you know what the amazing thing about God is? God encompasses two, both parts of the inviting. God is inviting to abide in, but He also invites us to abide. And we find this in Isaiah 55. We're going to read 55 and we're going to go back to 53. But Isaiah 55, verse number 1, if we could, maestro on the keyboard. if he's Isaiah 55, verse 1. Ho, everyone, everyone. Ho, did you know Santa Claus was in the Bible? Right there, proved it, right there. Ho, ho, ho. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you will have no, and you who have no money, come. Buy and eat, yes, come. Buy wine and milk without money and without price. Next verse. Why do you spend money 
for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy. Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Next verse. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear and your soul shall live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you the sure mercies of David. In those three scriptures right there, there are 12 imperative statements. There are 12 commands given in those three scriptures. Come, hear, listen. 12 times there's a statement made in those three verses of scripture that is a command for us to do. But if you notice there is a, there is a, 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 a sort of a, a, a pattern that develops in that scripture. We're going to get to it in a minute. Just work with me for a second. Some of you are figuring out where in the world is he going? There's a combination of things in that scripture. And that is the word hear and come. If you watch it numerous times, it says not only hear, but listen. Go back to verse 2. Look at what verse 2 says. Listen carefully to me. But there is something that happens when you are in an atmosphere where God is speaking. You're in an atmosphere where the Word of God is being taught, where the Word of God is being ministered. There's got to be an ear to hear what God is saying. Sitting here today, you might just be coming here because you were invited. Maybe you're coming here weekly. And let's be honest, we're human beings. It's very easy to slip into the habit of coming. We're sitting here today, it's hot, it's uncomfortable. Maybe you're hungry, maybe you're thirsty. We're sitting here, it's uncomfortable. We're thinking about what's happening this week. We're thinking about what we need to do. we got all this stuff racing through our mind. And the words are being spoken, but they're going in our ears. But they're not really being heard. Because when you truly hear the Word of God, there should be a hearing, but there also needs to be a response to what you're hearing. There's something that happens when you hear the Word of God. The Bible says, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. But we also know that faith is not simply something that happens in our mind. Later on, Corinthians tells us, I believe, therefore have I spoken. And then James finally sums it up with a very familiar statement, but faith without works is dead, which I always like to interpret as actions speak louder than words. So when I hear the word in just a few minutes, I'm, this is not what the lesson is today. We're getting to that, but I want to make sure you understand this point. When you hear the word of God in your life, simply hearing it does not put it into effect in your life. There's got to be a response. And in this verse of, uh, we just read, we see the response. There's hearing, and then there's, a, there's an invitation to come. With everything that God speaks, with everything that's in His Word, it does no effect in your life if there's no application. I've watched for years, years. We've discussed this here. It's a part of the fabric of our small groups. But for years, watch people come to Sunday morning after Sunday morning and Sunday morning and back when we had Sunday night, Sunday morning and Sunday night and they could say amen and they knew when to respond correctly but you never saw anything in their life change. Why? Because the word was being spoken but the word wasn't being applied. There's got to be application. 
Because if the word is spoken and there's no, there's no application, there's no life given to that word. And there's no, the Bible said the word mixed with faith. Mixed with faith. And so we find in this passage of scripture, if we look at Isaiah 53, there's such a beautiful description of the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. The fact that you and I here today were sinners. We are sinners. We were lost in our sins and our iniquities. But He bore our sins. He became the substitute for our sins. He became the, the penalty for our sins. But you know what? There's three, as we talked about last week, there were three basic Things we talked about faith, we talked about we talked about uh, uh, love, and we talked about hope. Let me talk about another some basic needs of humanity because we see them here in these three passages of scripture. The first basic need that we all come to realize is we need something or someone in our life to take away this feeling that we have in our life. We don't even recognize it. A lot of us, before we came to God, we didn't recognize it was there. But when finally it was pointed out by the Spirit of God working in our life, we recognized there was a need in our life to change. There was a need in our life for something to happen. There was a need inside of us. There's this this nagging, aching feeling in us. Some of us would quantify it as guilt. Others would quantify it as shame. But there was this nagging, empty, aching feeling in us. And we needed somebody, someone to help us with that. That second basic need, we talked about this last week in a little bit, was that need to be accepted. Everybody's looking to be accepted. We can look at the people, the way they dress in this world today. It's not as prominent as it was years ago. We used to, you know, you go down the mall years ago and you'd see the people with the spiky hair. And, and, and one time I saw me spiked hair and each spike had a different color. It was actually quite fascinating how that happened. And we look at that and we, we can look at that and we can make our judgment based off that. But all that is based off acceptance. And you and I in this room today, a lot of what we do is based off acceptance. We can say all we want. Well, I'm my own person. I make my own choices. I don't really care what everyone thinks. You can deceive yourself that way all you want, but we all know deep down inside we all care. Because everybody's looking for acceptance. Everybody's looking to be accepted. The problem is, unfortunately, our world has become a world that ends up causing more hurt than it ever does acceptance. And finally, that, that third need, that third desire is to be able to have access to some resources in our life to help us overcome what we're going through. And I believe in this passage of Scripture 53, 54, and 55, we see this. We see this played out because in 53, it talks about the fact that Christ became this penalty for our sin. To take away what we could not take away on our own. I could, cannot cannot go back and undo the things that I've done in my past. Cannot do it. Every single one of us in this room, even the sweetest of us, 
I always like people that when they're talking to people, well, my grandmother's the sweetest person. You know granny at 80, but you didn't know granny at 18. <laughs> Come on now, you know it. Granny at 18 is sweet, but granny, granny at 80 is sweet, but granny at 18, I don't know if granny was so sweet at 18. 21. She may be laid back now. So everybody in here understands that in our life, everybody in this room has something. If we could go back and change, we would change it. Every one of us has done something in our life that if we could go back and know that when we did it, now looking back on it, if we didn't know it then, we know it now, it was wrong. Unfortunately, we can't do that. But I'm so thankful today that we have a God who loved you and I enough to come down to this earth and to shed His blood for you and I that when we could not go back, He went back. That if you're here today, Let me just stop here for a moment and tell somebody this. If you're here today and you're living with guilt and you're living with condemnation and you're living with shame in your life, it doesn't have to be that way because there is a God in this place today that can set you free from every stain of sin, from every remnant of guilt, from every bondage of shame. If you leave here today with that, you leave here today on your own accord because there's a God in this room today that's willing to take all of that from you and to set you free so that you can live a life free from all of those things. He doesn't come in and suck the memories out. You're still going to remember what you did. You're still going to remember the acts and the deeds. You're going to still remember. It's not going to suck the, suck the thoughts out of you. But instead of those thoughts being associated with pain and grief and anguish and guilt and shame, those thoughts will be reminders of the goodness and the grace of God that where would I be without Him? But 54 gives us this beautiful 54 starts off with talking about enlarging the place of your tent. And I know there's many different connotations for that, but it talks about just the fact that there's a bigger picture here than all this. And that this talks about a beautiful description of peace. Because when you, when you finally are able to let God become the substitute for that penalty, then it leads you to be able to have a life of peace. But you know what? I I will say this. It would be one thing, Brother Nielsen, if he simply took away all of the things that I did in my life and set me free from all of that penalty. But you know what's amazing about God? Is not only does he take care of my past, but he gives me a future and the resources for that future. But what's amazing to me today is to see people come week after week that we have access to so much, but yet we live, we live with so few. I've said this before, I'll use it again. I know it's a silly example, but work with me for a second. But if today, if, if uh, the name doesn't, it's, it's not even more Bill Gates, whoever you want to call up, you use the name of somebody extremely wealthy. There's more out there now, but they used to be the go-to guy if you wanted to use a wealthy person. But whether who it was, if if you if we were in here today, and if I was in here today, and and and, and my father was on the, the 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 list of the top ten most wealthiest people in the world, and I walked in today, and and uh, I was walking around, or more better yet, forget that. If I was Bill Gates, forget him. I'm Bill Gates. 
Because here's the point. Let me stop here. We often talk about the fact that our father has it all, but because our father has it all, we have it all. We always make it that he owns it, but because I'm his child, I own it. So I'm not going to act like Bill Gates is my dad. I'm Bill Gates. But how funny would it be and how crazy would you think I would be if I rolled up in here in, in my fancy car and I got out of here after flying across. He lives in Seattle, right? Seattle. Flew across in Seattle, my private jet. Got picked up at the airport. Brought here today. And I walked in and walked over to Brother John and said, Hey, can, you, can I borrow $5? I'm hungry and I'd like to get a snack back there at that coffee shop. And I don't have any money. You would look at me like, are you? kidding me you have access to more money than you can imagine and yet you can't want to borrow five dollars because you don't have five dollars it's amazing when we have a bank account full of grace that we beg god for the crumbs we have a we have a bank account full of mercy full of grace full of abundance but yet we have been tricked by the adversary to live on a paycheck to paycheck mentality where we come to church every Sunday to get our paycheck of grace our paycheck of mercy and our paycheck of blessing so we can make it another week and when we come next Sunday we're bankrupt because we spend it all and we got to get more next Sunday and we live from paycheck to paycheck when we've got a bank account full with mercy and grace and we've got a credit card with no limit that we don't have to pay the only thing we've got to do is be able to have access to it Bible says new mercy they just quoted it new mercies every day that means when I spend money when I wake back up the next day my bank accounts reset to the previous amount how awesome would that be How amazing would that be? Whatever your bank account is today, whatever you spent when you woke up in the morning, it was reset. There's some faith right there. Keep speaking it, sister. Yes, I feel it. (laughs) Might get a lap out of somebody on that one. How amazing would that be? I'm hoping today in Jesus' name, in just the next few minutes, there's a mentality shift in somebody. Because it's so frustrating as a pastor, and I know there's other leaders in here and there's other people in there, so I'm not the only one, but it's so frustrating to watch people that have such access to the grace and mercy of God that walk in week after week defeated, walk week after week trotted down, week after week not knowing if you're going to make it another week. That ought not to be so. It shouldn't be that way. Doesn't mean we never go through stuff. Do we go through stuff? Yes. Do we go through hell? Yes. Are you going through hell? Yes. But just because you're going through all that doesn't mean you cannot become and should not be an overcomer. He's designed it that way. But what's crazy is we live with a... Godly access with a worldly mindset. We have access to the, to the things of God, but our thinking is an Egyptian thinking. We are walking in the mercies of the, in the blessings of the promised land while we're still walking around like we're slaves in Egypt. 
And you wonder why God has a lot of you circling the wilderness. Why? Because it says it took just one night to get them out of Egypt of 40 years to get Egypt out of them. Why am I saying this? Because I'm saying is that some of you, if you would let God talk to you today over the next few minutes, you're going to stop living here. Start living here. Not because your circumstances change. Not because suddenly you're going to get out of here and all your problems and we're going to come down here and you're going to bawl. And all of a sudden someone's going to come over here and give you a word and say, the Lord just told me to tell you all your problems are done. That's not going to change it. The changing is when I begin to realize up here what I have and who I am. When I begin to think it as a man Think it, so shall he be. I'm telling you, I believe this. I have believed this for years. I, 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 I mean, I've preached it before and I believed it for years. The devil's greatest attempt on the church is not to get you to worry about praying. He doesn't even care about you coming to church. He doesn't care about any of that stuff. All he wants to do is keep you blind to who you really are. Because you know what? He doesn't care if you walk in here and you do your few little rituals and you say six amens and you clap your hands and you may even pray for somebody. As long as you keep the mentality that you don't realize who you are, he wins. But the moment you realize... Who you are. The moment this thing right here begins to switch and you realize who you are, all of a sudden he knows he's lost because the Bible says that if the God of this world would have known what was happening, he wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. So what he tries to get you to do is to get you to realize what you don't have. He tries to get you to realize what you, what he tries to get you confused on what you have and get you focused on what you don't have. Because it's amazing when you talk to people. It's just child of God, baptized in his name, filled with his spirit, walking in a relationship with God who walk around and all they want to talk about is what they don't have when they don't realize what they have is greater than what I don't have. Do I've got problems? Check. Do I've got difficulties? Check. Do I go through stuff? Yes. Are there days I don't want to get out of bed? Yes. Are there days you might go to sleep and hope you don't wake up? Yes. But if you focus on that and you realize that there is a God, not only here's, I, I realized something the other day. I don't know. I, don't, I, I wanted to do some research on this idea, but it, it got to me. Because we were, I was talking and my kids were talking. And I heard them talking and I forgot the context of it. So I don't remember the context. But in the context of them talking, I think it was Noah. Noah's giving a theological answer to one of his sister's questions, which is a very dangerous thing as a six-year-old. I don't remember the context of it. But in the context of the, of the response he was given, he was talking about how God was in heaven. Talking about God in heaven. I don't know what it made it about it, but it struck me. I was like, wait a minute, that's the issue. We picture God in heaven. We picture this separation that we're on earth. Think about it. When you pray, what direction do you pray? 
What do we say? The big man upstairs looking down on us down here. Yeah, I hope he hears me. And when you're really desperate, what do you say? Feels like heaven is sealed over. My prayers aren't getting through. You say, wait a minute. That's a silly thing. It's not silly. That mentality right there keeps you and I separated from Him. That's an Old Testament mentality. That's an Old Testament way of thinking. God's up here, we're down here. But He came and dwelt among us. But He said, I will not leave you comfort. I will come and send the comforter. So He's not here. He's here. But it's amazing to watch spirit-filled people talk about God as being there. Instead of God being here. Why? Because I'm telling you, as a man thinketh, so shall he be. The faith, your faith is determined by the way you think. So watch this. There's three questions I want to answer real quickly here from Isaiah 55, verses 1 through 3. Three questions. I promise I will not be very long today. I'm about to pass out up here. I'm serious. I wear a Fitbit. I think I would have burned 5,000 galleries right now. Three questions I want to show you here just a minute. From Isaiah 55. Who are invited? What are they offered? And what are they told to do in order to get it? So three questions we're going to answer just quickly. Who is invited? What are they offered? And what are they told to do in order to get it? Let's go back and read it one more time. Verse number 1. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come and buy and eat. Yes, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Verse 2. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Next verse. Incline your ear and come to me here and your soul shall live and you will, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you. The sure mercies of David. Who is invited? There's two Distinct groups that are invited in that. Verse number 1 tells us the first group. Go back to the Santa Claus verse. Everyone who thirsts, come to me. And you who have no money, come. So the first group are the thirsty and broke. Now I know we think of broke, we're talking about money. But this is not just talking about money. This is talking about those who are spiritually, emotionally, mentally tapped out. You're thirsty. There's a need in you. There's something crying out to you to be filled. But you've got no available resources in order to get that. Because look at the category. Come unto me, those of you that are thirsty. And there's three things. We're going to get water, we're going to get wine, and we're going to get milk. We understand that water is the, 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 the foundational, fundamental element of life. Can't live without water. You can go how many days without food? 40 days plus without food. People have done it. 
I know several people have done 40-day-plus fasts. Jesus did it. I've seen others do it. So you can go a long time without food, but you can go just a minimal amount without water. So the first thing is, is that thirsty, I'm going to give you the substance that keeps you in existence. The second thing is milk. They say milk does the body good, right? We understand that milk, you don't give babies water. What do you give babies? Milk. That's by which you grow. So he said, not only am I going to give you what keeps you, sustains you in life, but I'm also going to give you what is, what's going to help you grow beyond where you are. And the third thing is, I'm going to give you wine before you say amen. <laughs> don't shout me down. <laughs> I got everybody's attention there. Wait a minute. <laughs> it's my favorite part of the message. <laughs> In that context, wine is in context to something that was done in celebratory. It was a something tied to celebration. If you look at the scripture, wine and celebration go hand in hand. So this was not only that, but I'm going to give you water to sustain you, milk to grow you, but you're going to get this celebration, this victory that I'm going to give to you that you can live in victory. But here's the people that I'm inviting. Number group one, those who are thirsty and broke. That means everybody in here today that you're just tapped out. You might have money in your pocket, but you're tapped out emotionally, tapped out mentally, tapped out physically. You're tapped out in your mind. You're tapped out in your, in your, in your spirit. You're just tapped out. You're broke. You don't have any other. He said, this is the first group I'm going to invite. Those who have nothing left and nothing in them. Your group number one. You come. Second group is in verse number two. Watch. Second group. Why do you spend money for what is not bread? And your wages for what does not satisfy you. Group number two is the independent self-sustainers. Because if you're not in group number one, I guarantee you, you're either with or you flirt with group number two. Because let's be honest, he's saying, group number two, you've got resources. You've got stuff you can turn to. But yet you continue to turn to things that's not the answer. You've got money, but you're not spending it on bread. You've got wages, but you're doing it on things that don't satisfy you. Here's the problem. We've got two categories in this room today. We've got some of you that you're tapped out. You're emotionally, mentally, physically tapped out. Maybe your faith is tapped out. Maybe you said today, let's believe. And you're like, i got nothing to believe with. You say, let's worship. You're like, worship? You're just lucky I got here. Pray for somebody. I'm not praying for anybody. You don't understand. How can you pray for somebody in the condition? That's that group I'm talking about. You're just in here, and you're getting in, and you're trying to get out. We are professionals at being invisible in a room full of people. And that's some of us, right? We're, we're just broke. We're just, we're just tapped out. And so we come and we get in here and we make sure everyone sees us for a minute. But that's it. That's all we can offer. But that second group, 
That's the, that's the dangerous place. You see, it's easy to convince somebody they're broke. They know it already. You don't have, if you're broken here today, I don't have to try to convince you you're tapped out. You get it. I'm tapped out. It's the other group that's the problem. It's the other group that's got money. And I'm not talking about physical money. I'm talking about you've got resources, but yet you continue to try to spend them on things that aren't satisfying you. You still haven't figured out that your way is not going to work. It doesn't matter. Get a new house. Get a new car. Get a new job. Get a new career. Get a new that. Get a new woman. Get a new man. Get two men. Get two women. I don't care. Get them all. It doesn't matter. It's not going to work. But yet we still haven't figured that out. We still haven't figured out that my way doesn't work. My idea doesn't work. My thought doesn't work. And I can chase it and chase it, but all I look like is the dog chasing his tail. I can always get close, but I never can seem to grasp it. And some of you, you're going around in circles, not because you can't make progress, it's because you're chasing your own tail. You still haven't figured out that your way is not going to, it's not going to work. So it's two categories. The broke and the self-sustainers. What did he offer? What was he offering? He was offering water, milk, and wine. For the thirsty, he's offering you a refreshing. Some of you, your life It's like brown grass at the end of August. You don't even remember the last time you felt any rain. You don't even remember the last time you saw rain. I remember when before we moved to our town home, we lived in a, a, a house. We had a little bit of grass. And I remember in the beginning of the year when rain's coming, man, I was out there mowing grass every four days. That stuff was just growing. But by the time end of August comes around, and right by the cashews, that stuff's so burnt up. You got a little patch here or a little patch there. And I had a septic tank in the backyard that was broke because it was built in like 1955. And so it would sometimes, I know this is just life, right? It would seep. So the only place that was green, and it was green, baby, was the ring around my septic. It was wonderful. But in order to get the green, I had to deal with all that. So the only green you get out of your life is dealing with all that. Because everything else is dried up. But for those of you that are here today, there's a freshness. There's a rain of the Holy Ghost that in just a few minutes, I believe, wants to fall in this place today. I believe in small groups today, there's a freshness that wants to fall as God begins to pour out some rain. Notice, what, what are we in right now? We're in springtime. What is springtime? What's, what, what's it associated with? Rain. You can't have flowers. and You can't have beauty if you're not willing to put up with some rain. And we need some fresh rain. Some of you in here today, you need the attitude. Say, Jesus, rain on me. Pour out rain on me. If you don't do anything in this room today, I don't care what you do today. If you don't do anything, thing today and today or in small group for anybody else I need the rain of your presence rain on me because you see when you're thirsty and you're broke there's a 
There's a desperation that gets a hold of you. i got to be honest with you. It's amazing to watch people that are thirsty or broke that aren't desperate. Because if you're thirsty or broke, there's a desperation. Thirsty and broke people aren't picky. They don't care how it gets done. They don't care when it gets done. They don't care who's watching them. Well, I can't really act like that way today because I don't want to embarrass myself. I don't want people to think I'm crazy. You're not broke enough. You're not thirsty enough. Because you know what? If you're thirsty and broke, it doesn't matter what you think of me. You can make fun of me. It doesn't matter. But I need some rain to fall in my life today. God, rain on me. Not only does he want to rain on us, but he wants to give us some substance, some milk. He wants to give us some milk. Something that just goes beyond just the satisfaction of the moment. But see, milk causes you to get stronger. Milk has things in it that causes your bones to get stronger. Your muscles to get stronger. It's something by which you can grow on. Milk produces stuff in your body that gives you strength to keep going. All Some of us stop at the water category. We just get a drink of water, which is great. But that's just a band-aid on the wound. Instead of letting God begin to give us some milk, some deep, refreshing nourishment nourishment in our body to give us strength but greater than that at the end of all of it he wants to give us some new wine fresh wine to fall in our lives that we can actually live like he said it's amazing when you read the bible and you read how they lived and you look at how we lived they lived a lot better than we do from the standpoint of they walked in a place we haven't walked in because they had a mentality They were victorious. You don't dance in a prison unless you feel like you're you're victorious. You don't look at the prison walls that you're surrounded by and the chains that are binding you and still praise God if you don't believe that you're victorious before you walked into the prison. If you don't feel victorious before you walk into the prison, you're not going to get victory in the prison. I believe here in the day, there's a... We're going to minister here. We're going to sing some more. I believe what God does here today can carry over the rest of the day. But here's, I want to go back and just remind you there were commands in that. Twelve commands given. But the context of those twelve commands really revolved around listen and come. Hear and come. There's a response, a yay and amen. There's, I got it, now I want to do something about it. I hear it, now what do I do? And when they were pricked in their hearts, they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? When we really truly receive, this is not a manipulation tactic. This is not a sales tactic. Don't feel like I'm trying to manipulate your emotions this morning. I'm just trying to give you an appeal from the Word of God. If what you've heard today, if something in your heart has been pricked, if you've heard the call of God in your heart, if you've heard God today reach down in this room and touch your heart and say, I'm talking to you, I'm talking to you, then there should be a response. I hear And he says, come. I always love it, the fact that when God could come to us, there's a portion where he comes to us, but he stops short because he wants us to take that final step. 
John chapter 7, he says in that, John chapter 7, if any man thirsts, let him come unto me. Let him come unto me. If you're waiting for God today to come, sit in your lap. And you don't have to do anything, but just sit there and he does it all. I'm afraid today is not your day. But I believe today for some of you in here that there's been a a call of faith in this room. There's been, a, there's been a message of faith in this room that if somebody here today would hear the response, hear the voice of God calling out to you. Maybe you're here today and you're just broke. You're just broke. You're just flat out tapped out. You're broke. You just Your resources are empty. You just don't have anywhere else to go. You have nothing. You have no more resources. You exist, but you don't live. Or maybe you're here today and you've got all that, but you just haven't figured out that your way is not going to work. God's speaking to you. But the response is to come. To come. But when you come... He's not going to let you just come and leave you empty-handed. But in that coming, here's here's what he's going to do. He's going to give you water. He's going to give you milk. And he's going to give you wine. But you know what's amazing is to that? There's something. There's a clause in the contract. How thirsty are you? I've used this before and I'll say it again. In fact, I think I used it just a couple weeks ago. Say it again. If you've had small kids or you've raised kids at all, I don't think it's just small kids. I think it's all kids. Your child comes to you and says, Dad, I'm hungry. I want some food. Well, go get some food. I don't want that. But, Dad, I'm hungry. Go get this. But I don't want that. Finally, after a while, you say, well, you're not really that hungry. Dad, I'm, I'm, my son is, my son does this a lot. Dad, I'm thirsty. We'll go get a cup of water. I don't like water. Can I get a soda? No. Water. But I'm thirsty. Water. I don't like water, Dad. Can I just have something else besides water? Noah, that means you're not thirsty. Can I tell you something today? I feel like some of us, some of you and I are having that argument. Some, some of us in the room, we're having an argument in the spirit. You're crying out, I'm thirsty. And God said, I'm going to give you this. But you're like, but I want this. No, but I'm going to give you this. But God, take away all my problems. No, 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 no. I'm going to give you this. But God, made my life perfect. No, I'm going to give you this. But God, I'm desperate for you to change me. I'm trying to help you change. But no, no, God, I need you to change all that. No, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm going to change you. Here's where I'm going to start. But yeah, God, I, I, I want you to change, but, but could, you got to start here. I'm not starting there, I'm starting here. Which then goes back to, are you really thirsty? Are you truly thirsty? I don't know who it is today. I feel like in my heart, my spirit, I can just feel God tugging at me feel my heart being tugged in the spirit who you are would you stand with me this morning
I feel like God wants to bring a spirit of victory. We earlier today, I came in late. I, I had situation. I was running a few minutes behind, and I walked in, and I, my wife was up here with the worship team, and they were talking, and I asked her when it was done. I said, "What's the Lord given you?" And she gave me what the Lord gave, and I knew when she said what she said. I knew it was confirmation of what I believe God wants to do in here today. I believe God wants to give somebody in here a refreshing and a victory. That's exactly what you said, wasn't it? He wants to give you a refreshing drink of water, but he wants to give you the joy of victory so that when you leave out of here today, you walked in here feeling weighted down, you walked in here feeling defeated, but you can leave here feeling victorious because all your problems are solved? No. I'm going to probably let you know right now, you're probably going to wake up tomorrow with more problems. Just seems the way it is, right? But you know what? My happiness and my peace is not predicated on my problems. My joy is not held prisoner by my circumstance. Because you can have the greatest peace and the greatest joy going through the greatest hell. And you can be as miserable as can be and everything in your life being perfect. So before you get this clause in your mind or you thought that somehow you're going to manipulate God into changing everything in your life and you're going to leave out of here in a perfect world, I want to let you know right now, probably not going to happen. But if you would understand that there's a spirit of refreshing in this place today, but more than that, it's not just a spirit of refreshing, but it's a spirit of faith that will lead from refreshing to victory if you would tap into it in this room today. Somebody, somewhere in this place, if you would tap into it today, there is a refreshing and a victory that God wants to release in this place today that when you leave here, that you have walked in here one way, but when you leave out of here, you will leave out of here differently in Jesus name if you believe that would you just say amen oh come on would you believe that would you say amen it's not good enough just to say it but if you truly believe it not just an amen of your mouth but an amen of your heart that says yes amen amen and amen and if you don't get it and if you don't get it watch out baby because I'm about to get it This is that woman with the issue of blood mentality. You can get in my way. You can try to stop me. But no matter what you try, no matter what you do, I'm getting to Jesus. I push you out the way. You better watch out. But if you try to knock me down, if you try to get in my way, you're about to get pushed out the way because I'm going to do whatever I can to get to Jesus today because I can't leave out this room. Maybe you can, but I'm not leaving out of this room the same way I came. That's the mentality you need. This is not flipping. I don't have a penny. Anybody got a penny? Who got a penny? No one carries pennies. I don't carry pennies anymore. No one carries pennies. Anybody have a penny? Thanks, somebody. All right, got a penny. Thank you. Here, here. This is not what we're doing. Thank you, sir. We're not walking up to... We're not going to go to Jesus' wishing well and say, okay, God, maybe today's my day. Did it work? 
I knew it. That's not the mentality. That's wishing. That's not faith. Faith says, the word went forth. I believe it. And I'm not stopping until I see it happen. So if that takes five seconds, two minutes, five minutes, whatever, I believe. And I say, yay and amen. So if you're here today and you're thirsty and broke, or you're here today and you just finally realize your way's not going to work and you're thirsty and you need some new wine in your life, as just that, that moment of faith has nothing to do. And I, I say this often because if you're new here, there's nothing special about the front of a church. We don't do that because the front of the church is holy. I just like to do certain things because the Bible says faith without works is dead. So I like to put a little action in our faith. Pull an action. Action, speak loud of the word. I've said this before. Come here, Brother Bickley. Use my famous, uh, I'll use, I don't know if it's famous or infamous, my, my, my example all the time. I go up to Joe here and I say, Joe, man, I love you. Right across the face. But Joe, man, I love you. Wham! Is he going to believe what I say or what I do? He's going to believe what I do. So you say, God, I need you. God, I want you. God, you've got to do it today in my life. And then not do anything. What is God going to believe? What you say or what you do? Woo! So those of you that are here today want to put some actions to your word. If you said amen and now you want to put some actions, I want you to come stand right down here. Because I believe God's going to just, just something's going to pour in this room. In Jesus' name. There's a refreshing and a victory. You got baptized yesterday. Isn't that awesome? Pray this is going to be part two. All right? This is going to be part two. I believe today, come on. Don't come in here. Just, let me tell you this real quick. Here's a word of caution. Because this is Pentecostals. How Pentecostals do it. And we're, we're moved past that. But don't come down here with preconceived expectations. I got to come down here. I got to cry. I got to jump. I got to do something. No, we're just going to let God do whatever he wants to do, okay? Don't come down here expecting, well, okay, and I didn't, I didn't cry. I knew it didn't work. Or I didn't jump around. Why don't you just let your faith go? And whatever God does, he does. Don't put a label on it. Because I got to, I, I'd be truthful. I've watched people boo-hoo and cry, and it was just a good emotional thing, but nothing happened. And I've watched people jump around and flopping like a fish, but it wasn't Jesus. It was good attention. You see a lot of stuff when you're around church for 40 years. So it's not about what we do or what we don't do. We're just going to let God do it and whatever happens, happens, okay? But I believe that God wants to pour something into this place today. I believe it. And you're going to lift your hands in just a moment. I want you to lift your hands. 
with no preconceived ideas of what will happen or what won't happen. You're just going to lift your hands and you're just going to be getting to call out to God and you're going to begin to just call Him. Don't ask Him for anything, but just begin to call His name and let His power and His presence begin to fall in this place over you and on you and let the Holy Ghost begin to reign in your life and let the rain wash over you and the Spirit of God wash over you and let that wine begin to bubble up inside of you. New wine today in the name of Jesus. Lord, these have obeyed You and responded to the Word that's been spoken. And Father, by the name that is above every name, I speak and loose in this place a spirit of refreshing and a spirit of victory would be released in Jesus' name. Come on, can I get some brothers and sisters? Let's just come down here and join with these down here. Let's let God begin to disminister for a moment. We're going to sing in a minute, but right now we're just going to pray. We're going to pray. Because God's going to do something all over this place. In the name of Jesus. Come on, don't be a spectator. We need you. Come on, don't be a spectator. We need your help. Come on, 